Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Panel podcast listener, to this episode 25 of the Drawn and Panel podcast. Mm-hmm. With me as always today is John. Oh, hey there. And our brand new co-host, Rachel, is here. Hello. Today we are doing one of our back issues. And in order to do the research for this back issue, we used a new app that we've been really excited about called Key Collector Comics. You can find it on the App Store and Google Play. And we discovered a book that has Superman drawn into another dimension to help He-Man and Battle Cat fight off Skeletor <laughs> and Beast Man who are attempting to take over Castle Grayskull. Oh, no. That is so cool, right? I, I mean, what better kind of Gen X it? mashup? Oh, come on, I was John. so incredulous when I saw what this book was about. <laughs> but it's so cool. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, it's Gen X at its core, right? It, How do you get is, more Gen X than He-Man, Generation Battle X Cat, stuff. Skeletor? Yes. It's awesome. I yeah, know that we're not always huge fans of mashups and crossovers <laughs> and everything, but you got to give it up for sticking Superman and He-Man together, really. Superman and He-Man together is a brave choice, that's for sure. <laughs> is, is brave the word you're looking for there? Well, we'll see. Well, Time will sure tell. it is. Time will I guess it will. <laughs> you will do as I say if you want go. I will obey, Zartan. You have all complete attention. Gold. Lovely. <laughs> hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. A little bit later, we'll find out whether or not this crossover was a good idea or a brave (laughs) idea, as Rachel said. But first, let's give credit where credit is due and talk about the people responsible for whatever that turns out meaning for this book. Uh, The writer, uh, Paul Krupperberg, uh, he was, uh, I I understand, not because I'm intelligent, because George (laughs) takes good notes. Uh, He's well known for uh, books like Vigilante, Aquaman and Supergirl. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, Vigilante, that's one of my favorite books of all time. That's, you know, this guy who was, he was like a district attorney and he was tired of criminals getting away with stuff. So he decided to just start killing them when they got away in the court system. Yeah, I'm just going to kill them. So like DC's version of Daredevil, except a little bit, murderous. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, but murderous. Yeah, he, <laughs> murderous. he's not trying to save anybody's yeah. life at all. I loved when I read that <laughs> 81 and 82, the, this Krupperberg guy, he was the assistant editor on Video Action Magazine. I read that. Magazine. 
magazine. Did you? I wondered <laughs> yeah. about that. That's why when I put that in yeah. there, I was like, I bet John knows this magazine. It was one of the first magazines focusing on home video game market. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool. I mean, I, and not just home video uh, games, but home yeah. videos as well. Home video as well. Yeah. Oh, everything was like electronics that turned into, you know, VHS and beta and Atari and Coleco, all that. It was just for a couple of years, it, it ran, maybe died in 85, I think. It wasn't out long, but for yeah, the first couple long. of years, uh, Krupperberg was the assistant editor. So who knew? Yeah. Re- VHS really cool and Atari. Stuff. I've heard of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's not the only guy to be responsible for this book that we're going to talk about. There was also an artist. Kurt mm-hmm. Swan. He's known mostly for things like action comics, uh, Superman and adventure comics. So, you know, this is definitely kind of in his wheelhouse being a Superman crossover book and everything. So it's no wonder that they assigned him to this project. Uh, one of the neat little things that I found out about him doing some research on him and everything was that he spent most of World War II working as an artist for GI Magazine Stars and Stripes. Have you guys ever heard of Stars and Stripes? Yeah, I, I have. Know I've sure. seen it in movies mentioned in everything and my father talked about it from the Korean War but apparently this guy did a whole bunch of art for that stuff way back in World War II. Stars and Stripes was kind of like a repackaging of what was happening back home and presented to uh, the GIs overseas. They did that with old radio shows too. They would take them that were recorded live off the air and they would take transcripted recordings and ship them out so that like you could listen to the Jack Benny show and Lemon Abner in the Shadow. Uh, Overseas, they did the same thing with with magazines but they bundled it up into Stars and Stripes. Now, yep. see, because I That's got a completely awesome. different impression. I got the reverse trend from a movie called Full Metal Jacket. You remember that one, John? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in that one, those two guys, the main characters, they were, you know, like a photographer and a writer for Stars and Stripes. And it seemed like they were talking about the stuff going on in Vietnam and propagandizing it to send it back home so that people would think everything was going well. Because they talked about it in a lot of those scenes where, well, we can't say, you know, destroy in this. We have to say sweep and clear now or something. And I, so oh, I, I always you. thought well, it was maybe reporting it was a, maybe on. Maybe it was a dual audience. It may be. But I, I know that communication be. went both ways. It definitely That's did. It was repackaged cool. stuff from home. And then, of course, the repackaged stuff from the battlefield came back home. So it it's may have had a hand in interesting that a guy who drew Superman, you know, yep, worked yep. on that kind of a book during that time. Because if you think about it, during the World War II era, all those comic books were all about buying more war bonds, you know, mm-hmm. and you had Superman trying mm-hmm. to talk you into doing this and Captain America. That's the Punching one of the reasons Hitler. Captain America was invented, <laughs> right? Capturing Hitler and everything. So that's just kind of neat, you know, little fact to find out about that guy. Um, John, I'm going to go ahead and risk, you know, somebody coming after us a little bit. Okay. I'm going to talk about the tracers again. The, the, the tracers. Anchors. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, it was Mike DiCarlo, and we've talked about him in the past. He's done a lot of work. Uh, he did something called Batman, A Death in the Family. It was a very controversial <gasps> story. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, right? I so think Rachel has too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also worked on Legion of Superheroes, and you know that if I find anybody who worked on one of my favorite series, I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about it. He was a big part of Tales of the Teen Titan. So I love this guy right away just because of that. (laughs) (laughs) He sure can trace. Well done. And Mike also did a bunch of illustrations for the DC Heroes role-playing game. Yeah. That's true. Absolutely. So we're all big fans of Dungeons and Dragons around here, right? Everybody here has yes. either played oh, it yes. or knows about it or loves it. So DC Heroes is kind of, you know, just take that type of game and move it into comic books. Move and specifically into DC. To Metropolis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he did, I guess, a whole bunch of artwork for, you know, those manuals that you would get. You remember with Dungeon Dragon, you get that player's handbook guide and the oh, Dungeon yeah. Master this and creatures from this realm. So I guess he did a whole bunch 
bunch of illustrations for those types of things in that role playing game, which I know is pretty popular. I know people today that still play that in different comic book shops around town. Oh, yeah, for sure. The DC Heroes version? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. It's a pretty popular role playing game. Still cranking. All right. I mean, Everyone not as big as Dungeons and Dragons, but yeah, <laughs> if you're in a comic book store and you're playing a role playing game, you know, that's a little on the nose, but it's still a lot of fun. <laughs> John, do you remember us talking about Ben Oda? I remember the name. What were, mm-hmm. do you, what were we talking about when he came He was up? the letterer who had a font named after him by his family. Oh, that's right. Yep. Remember yep. that? That's I remember cool. you saying that. <laughs> yeah. So he is the letterer for this book. He also, as we probably talked about back then, he did a lot of work on action comics, Justice League of America, Aquaman, and of course, Teen Titans once again, because he's awesome. Because why wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, one little cool thing to note about him, though, he was not the only letterer in his immediate family, believe it or not. His wife, Nishi, was also a letterer for comic books. I just wonder what those arguments were like at the table <laughs> when they're both working from home. And she's like, oh, my God, your H sucks so bad right now, honey. You got to redo read that. This. <laughs> <laughs> you you call that a that? love letter? Come on now. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Oh, my God. Did you see how you did Superman in this panel and then two panels later how you changed that L? That is just awful. That's amateur. Get your act together, man. You no dinner that? for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, and if they were working on the same comics. Oh, right. Oh, my goodness. I, I'll have to look her up now and find out if they did any together. Woo. <laughs> I wonder if they were both letterers when they met or if one or the other of them became one after they got together. Ooh, that would be You know, that's a go. good point, right? Because, I mean, you know, maybe they met on the job somehow or did they mean oh that's a good point i need to find that out now i i'm just fascinated by ben oda the fact that he had a font named after his style yeah and yeah is out there yeah yep. so i'm gonna look up some more on that that's pretty cool facts <laughs> skeletor i had a feeling you were behind this not so fast my royal enemy <laughs> you just hypnotized yourself boreas Now you will do whatever I tell you to. Yes, Skeletor. So now it's time to talk about the characters that are in this uh, interesting crossover. (laughs) (laughs) I love the trepidation in your voice there, Rachel. (laughs) In this crossover. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about the characters in the crossover, who are you going to start with? I think you probably got to start with Superman, right? He was definitely yeah. the most famous character at the time. And we've when talked about him published. before on the show. I mean, mm. have we ever not, not talked about Superman? I mean, he's <laughs> he's everywhere, right? He's yeah. Superman. Uh, originally, obviously created by Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster. Uh, first appearance, everybody knows, Action Comics number one. Mm-hmm. Although there he's were some comic strips that were done before the comic book and so there's some stuff about that that you can go out there and research into some really different drawings of what Superman became and what he is now to us compared to what he started out as. Um, There's obviously been a ton of controversy over the character with licensing rights for Siegel and Schuster over the years and there's been some people that have helped their families regain some of the profits that people feel DC maybe unrightfully stole from those two creators and their families considering how large Superman grew to become in the comic book world. Um, And the rest of the world. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Right. Yeah. If yeah. I'm right, he couldn't even fly in the beginning, right? He could just that's jump correct. He really could just high. jump over tall buildings. That was the you know leaps tall buildings in a single bound. That's Look where at Rachel flexing her knowledge. I didn't. Know I know, that. right? <laughs> uh, he's been associated with a couple of different teams, mostly Justice League or the Legion of Superheroes, depending upon which Earth he's from. I don't even know how to get into his abilities because he's freaking Superman. If you don't know his abilities at this point, I, I'm you know you're maybe Super listening Brad. to the wrong podcast. <laughs> which <laughs> flies, yeah. uh, heat vision. I one thing DC has done is kind of uh, weakened him a bit. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. In lately. Yeah, they gave him the solar flare ability the past like five five years or so. Don't quote me on that. Okay. So <laughs> that, solar flare is an mm-hmm. ability. How did that weaken him? He can expend all the power he's gotten from our yellow sun. Okay. And it for a while, it makes him just like any regular person. Ooh. Oh, so he, right? like, he just mm-hmm. sends out this one giant blast and then he's mm-hmm. a regular human. For a couple days and then he um, gets most of his powers back, but he still doesn't regain all of them. So he's still fairly bulletproof, but he's considerably weaker now. So he's got like he's got like a gas tank. He's like he can run yeah. it down and mm-hmm. he has to re- refill, replenish. John, do you remember the Star Trek Next Generation episode, Best of Both Worlds? <laughs> yes. Remember the deflector dish, right? When right, yeah, Riker yeah. fire and they fl- throw the deflector. It's got every bit of power the Enterprise can have and it throws it aboard ship and it just does nothing. Didn't matter. But then yeah. the ship is like stuck there and the board ship just flies off. And that kind of sounds like what Rachel's talking about with Superman. He shoots his wad and hopefully it does what it needs to. But if not he's in a world of hurt it sounds like yeah they basically gave him a nuclear option wow (laughs) pretty cool let's talk about a much better character who is in this book than (laughs) superman (laughs) who was first created as a toy and then later became a comic book and superhero uh figure in the cartoons and that's Mm -hmm. he-man created by mark taylor at mattel and again created to be a toy, first and foremost. Right. Uh, his first appearance, we're talking about it. The first time he showed up is in this DC Comics Presents number 47. Yep. I, he's really only affiliated with the royal family of Eternia. He doesn't like, I mean, he has a team, but they're all kind of royal court members, you know, man at yeah, arms and everybody. They're, they're kind of like not the like he Yeah, exactly. Um, he's got some interesting abilities though. He's got strength, which you can look at the, the toy and say, he's not weak, right? He's pretty buff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But his strength is really unusual. There are instances even in some of the comic books and some of the TV shows where he actually pushes the moon of Eternia itself. Yeah. He knows slouch. How strong do you have to be? First of all, you're in space. I don't get that As strong as he (laughs) man. Yep. But (laughs) he's got some speed abilities, maybe not quite flash speed, but he's definitely fast. Yeah. And then like, Superman, he's got indestructible skin. You can shoot bullets and things at him and it just kind of bounces off of him. But I think for me, growing up as a kid, coolest ability ever was having one half of the sword of power. I love the sword of power that He-Man had. That was the <laughs> when you got that toy, John, did you have a He-Man action figure? Um, I certainly played with them. I don't know if I had okay. it myself. I was a little bit old for it, but I uh a lot of my friend's little brothers had them and I acted like I, I was too cool for school, but did play with them. Yes. <laughs> I love the sword. The sword of power being half a sword, you know, because the other half was, of course, with the Skeletor toy action figure that we're going to talk about in just a second. Man, putting those two little swords together, yeah. sticking them in that castle Skull lock and turning it and opening up that drawbridge. There was nothing better than that when you were a kid, man. That was awesome. <laughs> Speaking of Skeletor, he was always the uh, the uh, yin to uh, He-Man's Yang and he 
he sure? appears in this book as well. Also created by Mark Teller Mattel. Uh, he also appeared in this book first. Uh, and yep. He just has some different abilities. He basically he's super buff like He-Man, but he's also like a wizard as well. He has telepathy and he can teleport. Uh, so he's kind of a I never got why he had a skull for a face. It's just everybody in the He-Man world just had some weird like deformation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you have two faces? Well, they're your many faces. Are you a skeleton? You're, right. You're a Skeletor. You know, do you stink? <laughs> You're Stinkor, whatever it is. So he was but, Skeletor. But you know, it was only the bad guys that had that. The good guys, they weren't, it wasn't like a defect that named them, right? It was, you know, he's He-Man and she's She-Ra and he's Man-at-Arms, but they that wasn't a defect. That was what they did. It was like their job, job or their title. title. Yeah. Is, okay. is Skeletor's skin actually blue or is he wearing like or is a he wearing suit? a blue jumpsuit? <laughs> You know, I think his skin is actually blue. I mean, I think so. Yeah, he's wearing like a tunic, you know, like a little, you know, Tarzan kind of thing down there. Yeah, yeah. whatever you know, that he's is. He's got the little suspenders coming off of it, and he's got the. There are some times when he's wearing that skull hat thing, and then other times he's just wearing the cowl. So yeah, I think like, his skin is blue. I I think that's just because huh. he doesn't come from Eternia. He comes from a different planet that's had this great war, and the war ends up or- opening this portal that allows him to go to Eternia and that's when he starts his conquest of that planet. Oh, okay. So he's an alien. Yeah, so, and of course, he has the other half of the sword of power, yeah, which right. you know, which is the point. That was that is was such bad. a great thing. <laughs> I mean, it was so awesome though to think about, you know, we talk about Mark Taylor from Mattel creating this line. John, we learned so much from that series The Toys That Made Us, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. On He-Man. Uh, mm-hmm. Rachel, I don't know if you ever had a chance to check that out. I know I have you, not uh, yet. Mo was a big fan of it. It is such a great series and every single toy line that they talk about they do such an awesome job with it and the he-man episode was no exception and that was one of the reasons why i wanted to read this book i know we're kind of joking about was this book worthy of being a back issue (laughs) subject or not oh it's definitely worthy of being a back issue subject no question it's worthy of that it's what should it have been made we'll find out about that (laughs) (laughs) let's find out when we talk about the story right after this and it's time for the payoff now. We have been hinting at whether or not this book <laughs> is was a good idea, whether it was worthy of a back issue. I think, John, you for sure feel that it was at least worthy of discussion. It oh, maybe yeah. Yeah, yeah. or maybe not should have been created. So let's talk a little bit about it. The first thing I want to bring up is how they, they decided to mirror Prince Adam, who is the alter ego of He-Man, right? He, the original he's the form. Kit to, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. to He-Man Superman. And they mimicked even their bumbling, right? So, yep. you know, Prince Adam is doing all this stupid stuff and he's getting in bar fights and everything and Clark Kent is tripping over cables in the television studio which apparently now he has a TV show at this point in the timeline he's not just a newspaper reporter I didn't remember Prince Adam being that bumbling as they put in this comic book I remember him being inexplicably weak which he still Mm -hmm. looked like he was shredded yet somehow he was weak ripping (laughs) things out of the floor was he a bumbling kind of Clark Kent guy I don't think he was after this issue I think that was something that they just did for this one I don't in the cartoon even he was not a he was strong just a memory of that no he was yeah he was a weak-willed kind of guy You're right you know he he wanted to do right but he was weak of strength and character a little yeah, bit right but not the bumbling no. you know oh my glasses fell in the fire and now i have to reach <laughs> in there right pull them yeah. out you yeah. know not that kind of guy i mean that was a cool difference 
between the two of them. Like Adam is bumbling, but in a, a different way. He has more bluster while Clark Kent was still, he was yeah, tripping over true. a cable yeah. on purpose so that he, he was still more like be a drunk Thor bumbling type of idiot. <laughs> he was yeah. kind of, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I w- did find it interesting that he pointed out to Superman, I know who you are. My mother told me about you. And so I had to go do a little research and find out he's not fully Eternian. Apparently he's a half breed or something. He's like half human and half Eternian uh, because well, that, his mother that, is that, from That's Earth. an offensive term. We don't use that term. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. We don't use that. We won't no. use that term. That's not, no, that's he's, not, that's not nice. Eternians he, hate he, hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh what is it? Is he, is he dual speciesed? Is that, that is that an appropriate that's term? Fine. That'll work. That's okay. <laughs> dual speciesed. <laughs> Earthling and Eternian at the same yeah, time. Right. He was. Yeah. So apparently everyone on earth knows who Superman is and they tell their kids when they move away from earth. So yeah, but, well, I guess they move away from Earth often. I don't know. Superman and Prince Adam looked about the same age. So good point. Oh. They did. I didn't pick up on that. That's a nice Hello. point. Huh? Does he age that. faster as an Eternian and maybe half Eternian? He ages half as fast. I don't Is know. Is time different or some weird mm. time loop? Or I that one didn't make a lot of sense well, to th- me. This could all happen at different times, actually, because they go through that portal. There's no guarantee that it's jumping from one time to the other. They could be jumping time and space space as they go through this portal. You That's true. a good point. And so also, sure. Superman, I, does he really age? It seems like it, once he reached adulthood, throughout most just, of the comic books, he kind of stays the same, really. So maybe he's yeah. older, but just not in appearance. Could be. Yeah, they never really explain that for Superman either, that he's just kind of yeah. he's just kind of there. Yeah, as Ma and yep. Pa can't get older and older. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, what about Skeletor? He was, you know, if you got He-Man, you got to talk about Skeletor, and he's kind of the, <laughs> the guy that stirs the pot in this book, but he really, to <sighs> me, didn't come off as a master strategist here who's supposed to be all these guys are looking up to him. All these evil guys are like, what do you want us to do now, master and everything? And he's just battering the door of Castle Grayskull with a sword and like, I can't get just in. Just hit it harder. <laughs> break that door. I mean, that's really? my plan. That's your whole plan? I mean, like, come on. I mean, I just, I don't know. I felt like that this, that was one of the things that hinted that they wrote this book for a younger audience. I don't think they wrote this book with teenagers even in mind. This was seemed to be written at the sub 10 year old set. If you ask Mm me, the kids playing with the He-Man dolls, it makes some sense. Sure. Absolutely. So of course, we had He-Man and we had Skeletor. Uh, we had a couple of others, Beast-Man and Cringer and some stuff. But mm-hmm. I was, if you've got to have this huge crossover, it struck me as odd that you had such a small cross-section of characters. I mean, from our universe, just Superman. Okay, he's the one that got sucked through. Sure. But it was almost like they had to pay actors. They could only get a few of them. <laughs> because, well, well, Skeletor has dozens of henchmen and mm-hmm. He-Man has dozens of people on his side. And in this giant epic thing that's happening only like four people showed up it was just a few people i didn't get yeah I mean, maybe just keep it small, but it struck me as like, where's everybody else? Is it? The they could have done more. Or, yeah, there yeah. could have been more, more in there. I think if it's aimed for kids, they would have wanted to see as many of their kind of uh, action figures appear on the page. Sure. Yeah. I would I think. Know. I mean, I don't know how many action figures there were at the time, but yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, there were definitely some ones that I missed, like She-Ra. Yes. She wasn't in this at all. That's she, right. Yeah. I, she should have been like, that would have been nice. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, and they had some good stuff with with the characters later on that they developed. I don't know if, you know, I can't remember, John, if Mattel had created all those characters up front 
or if they developed them as they went along. So maybe that was part of it. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. the like, I know that there were hundreds and hundreds of those figures eventually. So maybe they didn't have as many at the outset when this first kind of happened. But uh, yeah, this book yeah. came out of 1982. So that had to be right when the He-Man Early. toy line was yeah, coming out. Still, it, but, it, but it felt thin to me. It felt like there it was did. more available. Yeah. And one other thing that felt a little thin to me was I didn't get like I wanted to see a He-Man versus Superman contest of strength kind of thing, because that's what those two characters are really known for. And I would have loved to have seen, you know, like the locking of the fingers and seeing right. who can press each other down. We didn't really get anything like that. And that was kind of sad to me. It I was a straight up like scene out of like over that. the top. We'd like to see between you guys. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we kind of got that a little bit, but not not as overt, right? Because there was a point when Skeletor like takes control of Superman's body and there is some oh, back and forth, sure. some fighting. Mm-hmm. But you could yeah. argue he's under the control of Skeletor. We've already established when he's under the control of magic. He's not a super. So yeah, you were, you're right though. We didn't get the, let us compare our white. You know, they didn't do right. that. Yeah, you didn't yeah. get we that. We got early. a little bit of a fight, but it felt like, uh, it was watered yeah. down. Yeah, yeah I would have exactly. loved a, let's beat Skeletor and then arm wrestle and then I'll go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right the, yeah. No, that would no have Skeletor is behind us. Let us find who is the strongest. Right. That's what you'd like to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And another thing is they talk up Superman in the beginning of the comic. It's just like, he's the man of steel, son of an alien world who's super powered right. and can solve anything and smash the dimensions, but he can't tell a magical portal and he instantly falls under a <laughs> evil skullhead wizard spell. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Aren't point. you awesome? <laughs> Isn't he the greatest? That, you'd think that he would be a little bit more aware of that kind of thing. He'd be able to perceive and stop that. I mean, even the way that he got out of the spell was kind of bleh. It was like, yeah. well, maybe if I distract him by slightly twisting my head and using heat vision to, <laughs> right, you yeah. know, like, oh, really? It's so, so you're like, you're locked up, but you can move your head and control your heat vision. Okay. Sort of. Yeah, that seemed. Yeah. Uh, so here's another of my, I don't know much about Superman questions, but I, I need to ask. So mm-hmm. Rachel, you said that that Superman got overtaken by Skeletor's you know, magic juju spell or whatever it was. But mm-hmm. wouldn't there be a more obvious problem that he only gets his strength because of our sun? Are we just assuming that Eternia has the same yellow sun? Mm. Like if they had had a different wow. kind of sun there, might he mm-hmm. not have had his powers at all? Well, That's a good point. I, the way they explained it later with the whole solar flare thing is that the power kind of builds up in his body. Oh, so maybe so he still maybe... had it in him. Oh, okay. like he's a yeah. battery? Like he stores it? Yeah, kind of. Well, that's the way she described huh. the solar flare earlier that he she can recharge and holds it yeah okay all right but they didn't know that back then <laughs> right no, they yeah. had not made that their yeah. minds on that then and another <laughs> fact is that eternia i think if i remember correctly from the he-man comic books later on they do have a yellow sun but they didn't show that in this issue they didn't so mm-hmm. maybe it is the same sun but always because i remembered that much about the movies that he got the power because red versus the yellow sun and i'm like well this is a whole different world who knows what they have well it's maybe. not just a whole different world they give the appearance that it's a whole different continuum, a whole different universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we know that the yellow sun properties of that universe affect him in they the same way the same. that the yellow the sun same properties of our same universe, elements. right? Who knows, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, he got cut up and beat up pretty easily, so. He did, yeah. <laughs> and maybe he should have been. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe now we figured it out. I was also very... Uh, 
is uncomfortable the word? I, th- I thought it was laughable, some of the He-Man dialogue. I mean, so He-Man dialogue has always been pretty like like Arthurian and lofty. But, mm-hmm. So I, I took a sample out here. So here's here's Prince Adam sitting in the bar with Cringer. Be of good cheer, faithful Cringer. We are here for fine times, the lifting of a full flagon of ale with hearty fellows. <laughs> Holy yep. crap. <laughs> It's like somebody had been told about a Shakespearean play by proxy. (laughs) (laughs) They knew all the, here's what it's like. Now go make a comic book and pretend it's everything you heard about. I think somebody described how Thor speaks to a person who doesn't speak English natively and then had them write it and then translated it back to English. That's what it came across. It was a little cringy. (laughs) No pun intended, Cringer. But yeah, it was a little cringy. It was a little bit. Well, not only that. That was cringy. But then let's talk a little bit about the super fast ending to this <laughs> battle scene that had been built up over yeah. 15 pages. It was just like, oh, I've distracted you with my heat ray. Now I will pick you up like a small child and you can disappear and go away. And that's it. Now I'm going back to my planet. I see the and portal is almost closing. <laughs> yeah, really? I mean, like, I don't remember. I didn't read a lot of these DC Comics Presents, so I don't know if this was the standard operating procedure for these books, but they had another 10 pages and they went with a whole different character and storyline that wasn't even advertised on the cover. None of that was talked about. And I'm like, you had five more pages. You could have done something really great with it. And you just cut it off. It's like Superman takes an hour break and then goes home. Yeah. <laughs> if if I could quote Superman here from the end of the book, he says, but I've got to admit, I still don't understand a lot of what just went on. <laughs> and I'm like, I am right there with you, Supes. I get you 100%. That's Me how I felt too. too. There you go. There's so much on the eye of Thundera, the source of the Thundercat's power. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpanel.com. And that will wrap it up for this back issue edition of the Drawn and Panel podcast. Before we get out of here, though, our final question of the episode, I'm going to start with Rachel, just in case she has one. What was your favorite He-Man memory? This right here. (laughs) Wow. She only has one, so it's by default her favorite. There you go. Exactly. John, what about you? We alluded to this briefly way back when years ago on an episode of Gen X Grown Ups Backtrack. We talked about action figures, and that was a little brother of a buddy of mine had hundreds of these little figures. And my favorite memory is, is playing with him with them. He had like a big laundry basket of all these action figures, and he would go through them and show me what all their special features were. There was a guy that battled damage, many faces, I think, mm-hmm. or the guy with a spinning head, and that was many faces. Like the one that stunk, I always remember. Oh, but yeah. he would show me all the different. <laughs> 
different ones, what was special about them, and just sitting, he was so excited and knew all the mythology, and he was probably six or seven, and just sitting there, he was walking through. He knew more about it than I ever did, and I, just, I remember talking with my buddy's little brother about all his action figures. You know, for Aww. me, I think it was the fact Aww. that I was one of those kids who got a Castle Grayskull for Christmas. Oh, and Ooh. seeing that giant package under the tree that year, not knowing you what was what inside, was. I really didn't. I was you, completely no, I didn't have a clue. Like I had a, I had He Man and Skeletor, and I think that was about it. I didn't have anything else. I had a lot of GI Joe stuff and Fisher Price things and everything. Well, then you had the two halves of the key, so you could get into exactly. This castle. So that was good. Yeah, that was, that was handy. When I ripped <laughs> open that package and saw that box, I remember my little mind just exploding. I couldn't Whee! move, you know, because you know you just you freak out, you know. It's like those you see them now. People videotape with their phones, their kids opening up yeah, a present yeah, yeah. and losing their minds. That's how it was for me. <laughs> Should have been one of those. For yeah, you. <laughs> opening up Castle Grayskull and playing with it for years after. I wish that I had held on to it. I understand they're pretty rare and you know have some collectability now, but yeah, if they're completely in good shape. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that was my favorite memory. Uh, one other of my favorite memories, however, especially a Christmas style memory, is the gifts that we are given <laughs> every single month over at Patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up from our patrons. And I'm going to take a giant breath here as I read this list of people I want to thank, and that is you. <gasps> Chad, Mike, Thomas, Levi, Agile, Slow-Mo, Dana, Stubaka, Stian, Will, Greg, Marcus, T2, and Corey. Just made it. Woo. Just made it. Well I done. used all my yeah. Superman breath and lungs to <laughs> get that out. <laughs> Those guys are awesome. They make us so happy just uh, with a couple of bucks every month that they send to us through Patreon. Yeah, it's more than just the money and the it's the commitment and yeah. the believing in us and wanting to support us. It really keeps gas in the tank and keeps us sitting here plugging away, creating content that we know that this core group of people are really into it and it helps us to expand our uh, listener base and our viewer base and just amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And you know, now that we have Rachel on the show, we're probably going to add like 20 more names to that list and I'll never be able yeah. to say them in one breath, which will be an awesome it's gonna problem be, It's going to be real telling that Rachel's the draw that brings in all the patrons <laughs> and they're like, well, it wasn't us, clearly. You're right. <laughs> Those were just some people we knew and they were like, all right, shut up, John. We'll give you a couple of all bucks. Right. Here's but a now, <laughs> it's real people that like us. <laughs> Welcome to the show. We'll Rachel, great see. to have you. Absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're eager to see the patrons roll in. You know, and another big help that we have is that new app, Key Collector Comics. They do a lot of great work oh, yeah, in helping right. you to find all these issues, not just back issues, but also current issues. They release stuff all the time, give you alerts on your phone. So if you have an iPhone or an Android phone, you can get it on the Who doesn't? The App Store for <laughs> Apple or Google Play. It's a great app to have. We really appreciate all their help for us and everything. They helped us find this book and they've helped us find a lot of other stuff that we're going to use for future back mm -hmm. issues. Yeah, so it's good check stuff. them out. Yeah. We'll put some links down in the show notes down below so that you guys can go and grab your copy of this great app. With that, we will be back in two weeks with another of our back issue editions and next week with our regular podcast. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. John, always appreciate you. Yeah, man, always a pleasure. And podcast listener, we appreciate you most of all and we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at thegww.com.
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.